Oh yeah, dig it. Hello, hi, and welcome to episode 19 of the Macho Movie Man podcast. Uh, that we're officially legal, and let's get going. Uh, today, for the first time, we're doing an anime movie. Uh, and I'd like to... We have a, a debutante on the podcast today, his first time. Uh, Siege, hello. Hello. How's, how's, how's it going? Good. Very happy to be on. Yeah, been been meaning to get you on for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Always nice to have a new person... In, in the chair, see how see how things uh, get along, you know. Yeah. See, see this might it, be a new experience. Yeah. Then. See if see if you're more on the uh, let's keep this within topic, or let's see if this <laughs> is another train wreck waiting to happen. Am I the first person on who hasn't studied film? Yes. Okay, this might yeah. be interesting. I'm not. You're the first non-film student. <laughs> yeah. But honorary in a sense. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. And the fact that you all just hang out with us anyway. Yeah, so yeah. disclaimer at the start, if my opinions suck. But this is the thing, it's a nice balance. You, I'm the film student, but you're way, much more into anime than me. Yeah, but I'm not as into anime as other people in the group. True, true. But, you know, you're, but I do love Ghibli films. Yeah, you've probably seen more Ghibli films than I have. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, we are talking about Princess Mononoke today, uh, Hayao Miyazaki's outstanding late 90s epic about the importance of not being a dick to nature. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is pretty much what James Cameron would have wanted Avatar to be if it had been original. <laughs> Yeah, not a Pocahontas ripoff. Yeah, not a Fern Gully ripoff. <laughs> not a Dances with Wolves ripoff. There's a lot of things Avatar ripped off. <laughs> oh. But uh, yeah, so it's Hayao Miyazaki's uh, fantasy epic about feudal Japan and warring nature tribes and a human town called Iron Town. And a warrior trapped in the middle of a conflict. That is about as vague as I think I could possibly put it. Uh, We're talking, obviously, first off, we're talking about the English dub, which is available on Netflix. Netflix, Uh, So when we're going through the cast, it'll be just the English-speaking actors. Uh, I I would not want to butcher the amount of Japanese names. Yeah, I don't think I could do it either. No, no. But, um... Yeah, so it's directed by Hayao Miyazaki. For anyone who doesn't know the name, Hayao Miyazaki to uh, Japanese anime is pretty much what Walt Disney would have been to the West, yeah. Western animation. Yeah, pretty much. He's, he's Walt Disney, but more hands-on and way less anti-Semitic, I think. <laughs> we think. Yeah, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Be very weird if he was. <laughs> But, um, yeah, legendary uh, anime director. Uh, did, didn't he find... Did, wasn't he one of the founders of Studio Ghibli? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and he's made pretty much every super famous, critically acclaimed Studio Ghibli movie. Yeah, I think he's pretty much had a hand in most of them. From, obviously, this to Spirited Away to My Neighbor Totoro. Yeah. 
Is Grave of the Fireflies Studio Ghibli? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if he's had a... He probably did. He's probably... He's, 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 he was... He ran the studio for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he did Hell's Moving Castle. That too, yes. Some of these I have seen. Did he do Kiki's Delivery, delivery Service? I imagine so. I think... I think yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was. Poker Poker yeah, Rosso he did, as yeah. well. There's only, like, three directors over Ghibli. Wow. Now, that is... That is something. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he's probably the most famous anime director of all time. Uh, although that is coming from someone who only knows Miyazaki as an anime director. Um. Even though I... Even though one of my favourite anime film is not directed by him. But this is my second favourite anime film. Yeah, definitely to a Western audience, he's the most well-known, I yeah. think. Though I'm not a massive weep, so... <laughs> no, no, this is very strange. The first time I do an anime film and neither of the people speaking are massive weebs. But uh, you, yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need to be a weeb to enjoy Studio Ghibli films. No, not at all. I will say that that is one of the best things you could say about... Uh, Studio Ghibli, you don't need to be a massive weeb. Yeah, I think just visually. Yeah, and I don't uh, mean that as to be. I don't mean that as like a dig against weebs. No, not at all. It's just they're just you, they're very accessible films. Yeah, like. it. I think that's the thing with anime. Sometimes it feels to an outsider very it, hard to, yeah, get, to get into, into it because yeah. the fan base can be very passionate and very intense. Yeah. yeah. But with Studio Ghibli films. You can come in not being really big into anime and you can still find stuff to enjoy about yeah. it. Especially sometimes with dubs, they can be awful. Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're not, if you don't want to read it and you want to listen to the dub. Absolutely. Um, and then you but feel... Studio Ghibli does like yeah. a great job at dubbing most of their films. And are, then there's like the guilt of like, do I... Sh- does watching only the English dub make me less of a fan? That type yeah. of thing. Yeah. That, that can be an issue with anime sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so let's get into, first off, the cast for this English version. Uh, Billy Crudup plays Ashitaki. Uh, he's, been a, he's been in a bunch of things, but he's one of those actors where it's like, I can never pinpoint exactly what he's been in. Um, I was going through the actors in this film earlier, and I most mean, of I, them are like that. I recognise all the names. I didn't want to be like, oh yeah, he's the Flash's dad from the Justice League <laughs> movies. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton plays Jigo. Another name. Bad, Bad Santa himself. Bad Santa is right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Minnie Driver plays Lady Eboshi. She would have been love interest from Goodwill Hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Claire Danes plays San, from uh the nineteen ninety six Romeo and Juliet movie with DiCaprio. <laughs> Which some would argue is potentially the most 90s movie of all time <laughs> that was not named Space Jam. Uh, John DiMaggio played Gonza. You'll all... If, you, if you're not huge into, like... If, if you're not aware of, like, voice actor talent, you wouldn't know John DiMaggio. But you would know... The, you know the voice. You'd know the voice. He's, he's voiced mainly Bender from Futurama... Jake in Adventure Time, uh, he's done some work for Disney, 
Disenchanted, that uh, oh, Matt yeah. Groening fantasy show. Yeah, you know, he's he's voice acting a bunch of different things. Uh, uh, Jada Pickett Smith plays Toki, the wife of uh, the ma the wife of the soldier that Tashi uh, saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, how he gets into Iron Town. Keith David plays Akota. Uh, Keith David from The Thing he voiced the villain in Princess and the Frog Uh, he's also the narrator of the film yes he's also in my favourite John Carpenter film They Live you know I thought it was Morpheus whenever um, he He, starts narrating at the start of the film did you think it was Morpheus (laughs) yeah no uh, that was um, Lawrence Fishburne or to some poor, uh, or, or to some very ignorant uh, TV uh, news presenter one time, he thought it was Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> There's a famous clip of that, of a guy uh, yeah, being like, I loved you in The Matrix. He's like, I'm not Lawrence Fishburne, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> we don't all look alike. Uh, but yeah, uh, they live where he has this, I believe eight minute long alley fight sequence mm-hmm. with Roddy Piper. That yeah. is just the funniest it's, thing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, uh, and Tara Strong plays a uh, Kaya, who as uh, is, is another person where it's like if you wouldn't you wouldn't know them if you don't know like the big names in vo- the voice acting realm. Yeah, but uh, you'll have no, you'll have, you'll have watched something with Tara Strong doing the voice. She's the voice of Tommy Pickles in the Rugrats for. So long. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's big in yeah. voice acting. Yeah, she? she's been in a bunch of other things, but like I mainly know her as uh, Tommy Pickles. Mm-hmm. But that's because we were all raised on Rugrats. Yeah. Uh, all right then. Let's get into uh, some uh, pre-production uh, tidbits and scar. Miyazaki began the sketches for this film dating back as far as the late 70s, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he didn't get a full storyboard done until 1994, uh, which by that point, a lot of the visual ideas that he'd had for the films would have gone into other films like My Neighbor Totoro. Oh, yeah. And he would have to, and he had to change a couple of things due to uh, societal changes at the time within Japan. Uh, and it eventually led to a period of writer's block for him. Which, you know, is understandable when it's like all of your films are these super creative, mm-hmm. yeah, visually interesting things. At some point, I feel like, yeah, you would hit a wall. Yeah, definitely. And it would take a while, you know, especially when it's like a lot of your films are these, especially like films like this where it's like big fantasy epics yeah it's like how do you come up with these things and it takes a toll you know but uh yeah uh he returned to work on the film around 1995 uh and the official animation production began in july of 1995 so it took around two years, years to yeah finish it which which is kind of the norm for animated films like yeah like a lot of animated films you'd have four or five years between like when you start working on it when it actually comes out Mm -hmm. and uh, only a year or two of that would actually be uh recording the dialogue and like actual filming of it 
was just a lot of drawing, especially back there, back this point where you didn't have computers doing yeah, everything. Yeah, because it was all hand-drawn. Yeah. Well, at least 90% of like it was Like, 95 was the year Toy Story came out. So there had never been, like, a fully CGI animated film by that point. Uh, Miyazaki oversaw each of the film's 144,000 cells, 80,000 of which he himself retouched. That's in what, amazing. In what would be the last big film done on plastic animation cells. That's just crazy. Yeah, like, like there's, it's one of those films where it's like, I imagine, like, the people who were, like, doing the drawings looked in absolute state by the time they were finished <laughs> yeah. work for the day. Like, massive, um, oh, I... pe- massive pencil stains on their skin and yeah. dirt under the fingernails, sweating Big buckets. Bags under their eyes and crazy hair. Oh. Yeah. It definitely shows, though, the attention to detail in the animation. Oh, just definitely. It's like... just visually stunning. Like, it was harder to do animation back then than it is now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's just so much that we hit that, like, you kind of take for granted watching a, an animated film these days. Like, like very rarely watching animation now do I kind of really, like, marvel at things. Yeah, yeah. It's mainly whenever Pixar's like, look at this grass, it looks so real. Yeah. I don't know, or, sometimes I don't like when it looks real, though. Um, or in Luca, where it's like, look how fucking gorgeous this pasta is. Yeah, that oh. made me very hungry when I saw that. Oh. Uh, certain animation studios do things better than everything else. I don't think there's an animation studio that makes food look better than Pixar does, because they also made Ratatouille, remember? Oh, God, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, anyway... Uh, <laughs> Despite being uh, the only Miyazaki film set in feudal Japan, it was highly inspired by a lot of John Ford westerns, which you can very easily see from like just Definitely. watching the movie. Like Iron Town and yeah. just being on the front of yeah, exploring. And having, a lo- having a lot of bandits and outlaws yeah. around. In this case, it's samurai. Yeah. Uh, despite... Now, this is something that will, uh, that did kind of become a uh, running joke to a point. This was meant to be Miyazaki's last film before retiring. Well, which that is didn't a, happen. Which, which is a statement that uh, he repeated at least four times <laughs> after this. This is my last film. And then well, he didn't, didn't stop anyways. Then he, yeah, in fairness, the last film he made was like, 2013 and he'd managed to keep his retirement uh, up since then so like there's though i imagine he is retired now but at this point it's like oh you've still got almost another 20 years in you mate i yeah i reckon yeah they're they're gonna ask him back for one more and he's he's gonna be like one last big job and he's gonna be like i mean i mean considering how well their fucking transition over to 3d animation went i wouldn't be surprised but uh yeah, uh, he was meant to retire after this film, uh, but then this film was really successful, so he went on to make Spirited Away. Which was also a huge success. Yeah, and then he made Ponyo and The Wind Rises, and then he retired, but uh, who knows, he may come back. Uh, 10% of this film was uh, computer animated, 
it's really hard to tell what exact points were CGI and what points were just normal, which at the time was insane because, like I was saying, we are having this conversation earlier, if you're watching like a Disney movie from like the mid late mid to late nineties, the CGI moments are very yeah, it's noticeable. Very obvious, yeah. Uh, but here, two thousand sometimes you can see where it changes over. Definitely, yeah. Uh, but but like, this was more, yeah, like stuff like Treasure Planet. You can clearly see yeah. where the CGI. Oh my God, is. that's such a good example of it. Uh, Lilo and Stitch as well. Certain moments were like the waves. But um. Yeah, uh, and the last storyboards were done just months before the movie premiered. Yeah, There were two titles that were considered for this movie. Obviously, Princess Mononoke. The other one was The Legend of Ashitaki. Funny fact, Miyazaki preferred the second one. Le- I... Legend of uh, Ashitaki. I don't at all. But uh, that ended up becoming a song on the soundtrack, and they went with Princess oh, okay. Mononoke. Is that Despite... the main theme? Which? The Legend of Ashitaki. Uh, I don't know if that's like the main theme, but there is a song on the soundtrack entitled The Legend of Ashitaki. Yeah. Despite the fact that they never actually call anyone Princess Mononoke in the film, it's Japanese for hate and anger, Mononoke. Yeah. So uh, they were just like, we'll call it Princess Mononoke. The Americans will never understand. <laughs> it just sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like Princess San isn't, doesn't no, it, sound it as doesn't cool. have the same range. Yeah, of so even though there's no one in the film called uh, Mononoke, the L- Mononoke is a theme of the movie. Yeah. Yes. Uh, one of the m- people considered for the voice of Ashitaki before Billy Crudup stepped in was uh, DiCaprio. But he couldn't do it because he was busy making Titanic. I I wouldn't have liked that. I think it would have been like kind of obvious, and I think he would have sounded very American in it. Yeah, in fairness though, like Billy Crudup is also American. I yeah, but I don't think it. I don't know. It it, it works fine. It yeah, doesn't man, annoy also me. maybe it's just a case of like the voice would be no more noticeable. Has DiCaprio ever done any um voice acting? Honestly, I don't think so i don't think he would work for it it's one dicaprio hasn't done a lot of things he's done a lot of things but there's a lot of things he hasn't done you know like he's never done outside of inception and titanic he's never done like a big money blockbuster not in the same way as every other actor I remember watching something that he narrated for on Netflix, like a documentary sort of thing. Yeah. And it was, it was good, but I can't see him uh, playing a character. Same, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he was considered, but he couldn't do the movie due to other roles. Now, this is where the fun, funny shit happens. Distribution rights were purchased by Disney and Miramax, but mainly Miramax were dealing with it. So then you had the confrontation between Hayao Miyazaki and Harvey Weinstein. Oh my god. (laughs) Two polar opposites. This Japanese wizard of wholesomeness. Yeah, he seems like such a kind man. And and notorious legendary Hollywood shithead. (laughs) Abuser fuck uh, Weinstein. (laughs) Uh, 
Weinstein told me as Aki to shorten the film because otherwise I wouldn't appeal to American audiences. Miyazaki, who had had, who had been very annoyed when uh, another one of his films in the mid eighties, I think it was, Nasi, I can't pronounce. Oh, uh, Nasica. Nasica in the Valley of the Wind. Nasica in the Valley of the Wind. Yeah, I love that, that movie got, as well. There's a version of that that was released in the US that really cut into it and took I think at least twenty minutes off. Okay. And Miyazaki was very annoyed about that. So he was like, that shit isn't happening this time. No, he stormed out of the meeting. And then a week later, Weinstein receives in the mail a fucking katana sword. (laughs) And on and embedded into the blade was the words, no cuts. (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. And that was the end of those issues. So uh, (laughs) there was no cutting of the film. I'm just there thinking, God damn it. I mean, it's an amazing story, but I kind of wish he had still wanted more cuts because then someone would have used the katana sword (laughs) on him. And imagine the problems that could have been solved if in the mid-90s, Harvey Weinstein gets taken out by a katana sword. I'm just thinking of Miyazaki doing some sort of Kill Bill shit. I I mean, at this point, he would definitely have, like, abused some women but like this he would have still there's still at like 20 years worth of uh, worth of shitheadery that like could have been stopped if they had just used the fucking sword <laughs> on him i don't condone violence unless it's against harvey weinstein <laughs> that's a fair statement yeah but um yeah although weinstein did take his revenge in a way uh Although nothing was cut, Miramax deliberately released it in fewer cinemas and then feigned shock when it didn't perform well financially. Because the absolute cunts. Yeah. Weinstein then wanted Tarantino to script the English dub. But Tarantino said no. So Neil Gaiman was brought in instead. Do you imagine some Tarantino dialogue in this, though? Tarantino scripting a Miyazaki movie is such a a weird thing. But something that I'm, like, thinking, there's a morbid curiosity to what that would be like. (laughs) I mean, halfway through the movie, Ashitaki just drops an (laughs) N-word. I mean, it wouldn't have worked. Lady Ibushi's just saying motherfucker. <laughs> the idea of both just halfway it takes out like red apple cigarettes and starts She's smoking them. Actually played by uh, Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> no, Samuel L. Jackson would have played a Koto. <laughs> I'm a ball motherfucker. <laughs> but um yeah, so uh yeah, so that's so Neil Game and the fantasy author ended up uh, scripting the English dub. Which is probably why it's really good. Well, it's better than a lot of English dubs. Yeah. Uh, at 134 minutes, running, which runs to 2 hours 14 minutes, it's the fourth longest animated film of all time. I find that incredible. All of the top four, though, are anime films. The I only... I, I was... I can Obviously, I can't pronounce the name of it, but um, I'm pretty sure the number one stretches somewhere to, in the region of, like... Two hours fifty six, which is Scorsese length. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
or as I call it, half a Snyder cut length. Uh, it was the most expensive anime ever made at that point. Uh, it was 2.35 billion yen, which uh, equates in US dollar to 23.5 million. Which isn't a lot unless you're looking at it in yen, in which case it's eye-watering. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, let's get into the step-by-step, unless there's anything in terms of pre-production you were... Want to get into. Uh, We open up in how all movies should open up. With Keith David telling us about forest spirits. (laughs) (laughs) Any any movie should open with a Keith David narration. Name one movie where they wouldn't be helped with Keith David narrating this. The soundtrack as well in the background just sets sets the scene perfectly. Shout out, shout out to the soundtrack. I didn't put down the name of like the composer, but he did an amazing job. Yeah, oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, he is someone whose name I would butcher, unfortunately. It works so perfectly with the movie. Um, just the opening shots is of the forest with the soundtrack and the nar- narration. Is... It's one of those soundtracks where it's like, if I was walking through an actual forest, I would want to be listening to it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. perfectly suited to the movie. It's one of those things where I was like, have you ever listened to the Lord of the Rings soundtrack while taking a hike? No, but I want it now. <laughs> yes, it's the best thing ever. <laughs> oh, Going on like an actual hike, if it's in like a foreign country or whatever, of, on like eclipse and stuff, listen to the Lord of the Rings soundtrack. It makes the experience ten times better. Yeah, what happens when uh, Mordor's team comes on? <laughs> Like <laughs> Mordor's team. No, you're you're getting back to civilization, and then Mordor's team comes on. <laughs> do, but um, do do do. But uh, yeah. So obviously, if you're ever in a forest, stick on that. Uh, Princess yeah, Mononoke. Okay, it's a great right. suggestion. Uh, we uh, Ashitaki's village is attacked by a demon boar, and despite killing it, it infects him with its curse. Show just a minute to just point out. How fucking awesome the demon boar looks. Yeah. Just like the evil tentacles. It looks like... What's the name of that? Pokemon. It looks like one of the Pokemon. You're also not asking the right person for Yeah, no, no. We need to Google that. But it looks like one of those dark Pokemon you'd find in the cave. Marcus was telling me earlier that um, when we watched that sequence, he thought that it inspired um, some of the monsters in the Dark Souls games. Oh, very is... interesting. Uh, it looked like it looked like evil spaghetti. Yeah, it did. Yeah, evil spaghetti monster. It was great. It's such a great opening sequence as well, just to grab you. Like yeah. the animation is all that beautiful. All, all like you know, if if Mister Tickle from the Mister Man got taken over by the Sith. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so obviously. He kills the boar, but it infects him, and he gets the um. The curse that looks like a a, a weird guy's tattoo sleeve. Yeah, I think he kind of looks like a like a power lifter who has way too many veins in his arm. Yeah, or like I said, some guy who's like a white guy who's into tribal tattoos more than he should be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It also um, makes him incredibly strong, though. Yeah, the wise women, the wise woman of the village, tells him. Uh, that uh, he's going to die slowly and painfully, but 
he could save himself if he travels west and uh, defeats the evil that caused the curse in the first place. And she's also like, you. we can't say goodbye to you. You just have to yeah, leave in the middle of the night. You're, you're dead to us. She, yeah, she literally yeah, said, you're dead to us. You're dead to us, despite the fact that you saved all of our lives. <laughs> Although we also, fought, we also hear about uh, the suffering of his tribe, which is a nice little bit of world building. Yeah, it's very subtle and it doesn't really beat you over the head with it it doesn't yeah. it, it, it doesn't come off sparingly yeah it doesn't really come back too much it's just very subtle stuff yeah but uh but it cre- yeah it's definitely great yeah he cuts him. off his man bun and is told uh he if you're dead to everyone who knows you which should be the opposite that should happen when someone does get a man bun yeah ashitaki really is just a pretentious hipster in this world absolutely he he goes off sees these other people they're all like why the fuck are you riding around on this uh elk. red elk and and wearing weird clothes this elk set that's this elk who when i first saw it i thought oh is this the name that inspired the fruit drink yakult what's the elk's, uh, elk's name yakko yakul but yeah. i always thought it was yakult it's also a great character yeah i love the elk Oh, he's he's awesome. He's really cute. Uh, he leaves on his travels. He encounters a grifter slash hunter slash sleazy yeah villain. Jiro is a lot of things. They never pinpoint the what any one thing that he is. It's great though because the characters aren't that one noted. He's, yeah, he's pretty complex. Like as a villain. Yes, voiced by a uh, bad Santa. Yeah. Yeah. Great casting choice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who begin and we see he begins to lose control of, of his darker recesses because for some reason every time he shoots now he decapitates some <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> his movie for for an animated film it has a sh- shocking number. It's of, also uh, it's a children's movie, isn't it? Isn't it a children's movie? I don't think it's a children's movie. It's completely. It's so. It is so violent. not appropriate for children. I I literally was like my niece is uh nine now I'm like I only started trying to get her to watch this when she turned nine because I'm like to n- not when she's like fucking six or seven yeah no. I think I think like ten is the perfect age maybe to start Cause, yeah because like it's incredibly violent but at the same time it's not like really gory like people get decapitated Absolutely. and their ears get shot off by arrows but there's not like, like an excessive it, amount of blood or like anything. it like it's violent but she's into the environment so i feel like that weighs <laughs> it off it's a good message for children yeah yeah but then again i feel like anime in general like you'd probably unless you grew up like us with like a pokemon or a Yu-Gi-Oh sort of daily fix when you're a kid you'd probably get into it when you're about 10 ish yeah nasasaki nasaki and the Valley of the Wind, I, I can't pronounce it either. That was the first anime movie I'd seen, and I yeah. recognised probably eight. Yeah. My first one was uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! and the Pyramid of Light. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, which was just a cash grab to fuck. Oh, but, it definitely uh, was. But I saw it in cinemas, so... That was in cinema, that's incredible That was, me. that was. I've seen two Yu-Gi-Oh! movies in cinemas. Yu-Gi-Oh was great. I I loved it I loved was. the series. I thought they were so good. And Yu-Gi-Oh GX as well. Oh, I will defend Yu-Gi-Oh GX until the day I die. I want to go back and watch it. I feel like I shaped 
far too many of my personality and character <laughs> traits off of Jaden from Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. And I'm proud of it and not proud of it at the same time. <laughs> oh, But, uh, yeah, uh, we got off topic there. But it's at, but we're still yeah. talking anime, so it's, it's gonna not, happen. We, no one, t- we none of the conversation has not turned is to. Is uh, like technically an anime? I count it as anime, and that's what matters to me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those animes where I think it's like, it's called into question because it's very much sort of pandering to Americans. Yeah, like it was one of those ones that's to sell toys as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean. I will never, I mean, like, it is anime because there's certain choices that boggle my mind, which <laughs> happens in a lot of anime shows, mainly Joey Wheeler's accent. The Brooklyn accent is great. Which will never not, comp- that's one of the mysteries of the universe, <laughs> along with the Sphinx and, like, what happens after we die. Why did Joey have a Brooklyn accent when no one else in his family has the Brooklyn accent? But his sister. His sister doesn't. And like, I'm sorry, he has not been living She's away going from blind. Brooklyn. He has the Brooklyn accent of a 45-year-old Danny DeVito played by truck driver. A taxi driver. Oh. Anyway, so where, topic. yeah, where, where he he finds Jiro on his travels. So yeah, so he things are getting pretty dark in his head. Um, while crossing a mountain, we meet Lady Eboshi and her forces for the first time. They're set upon by a masked girl, San, and her family of wolves. She's a wolf girl. She's she, a furry. She she is. No, <laughs> god damn you, Siege! No. <laughs> Fuck. No, she's not a furry. She's oh, just a wolf like, girl. I feel like there's a weird fucking Venn diagram of weebs and furries. Oh. And there's a... I don't want to know what the intersection there yeah. is. Oh. It's, oh. it's it's like that intersection of, like, people born in the mid, early to late 90s and people with too much time because they're not working. Uh, yeah, I reckon there's a huge overlap in that Venn diagram of, yeah. uh, of we- weaves, weaves and furries. <laughs> Let's not get into that. Uh, yeah, so... Um, and obviously a fight breaks out and uh, at the first foot of the mountain, Ashitaki later on finds the wolves who have been injured and also some of Oboshi's men who was uh, who have been injured. He's a stand-up guy. He he brings the two men back yeah, to Iron Town. He does with the help of a uh, Kadamo uh, spirits. Yeah, which are creepy as fuck. Who, who are creepy but demons? Cute. Who are creepy spirits who give off the look of people who are watching stuff happen at a party while off their head. Yeah. Very much like something is happening in the crowded place and people are just staring and gawk. They're you know. very much just couch locked, um, probably on Kate. <laughs> on something. And they're just like, whoa, this is tripping. I see a big, <laughs> I, I see a big forest demon. Whoa. Oh, whoa, look, look at the way my neck can move. The way their neck just rotates and the little clicking sound. It, they're, I, they're, they're, fu- they're, they're creepy. They're, they're, they're what would happen if a winged Kuribo from Yu-Gi-Oh fucked an oven timer. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good comparison. I, 
Oh. The imagery. Uh, yes, so they help Ashitaki bring, uh, bring the uh, injured man back to Iron Town. It's called Iron Town in the uh, English dub. In the Japanese version, it's called Tatara. But I'm just going to call it Iron Town because that sounds cooler. It's a lot easier. Yeah. It sounds like something from Attack on Titan. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, see? An anime reference that I don't <laughs> think either of us fully get. <laughs> oh. I haven't watched Attack on Titan in a while. I haven't mm. seen the latest season. Upon arrival, he's met by Lady Eboshi and is thanked for his services by the wives of uh, Iron Town. Uh, and we get to see... Uh, how Iron Town works as a society, which is something cool. Like you always see in fantasy movies, like they stumble upon this town, and you never figure out why is this town a thing in this world. Because sometimes you see fantasy worlds where it's like, why is why is this town in the middle of nowhere doing very well economically? Yeah, you know, like you see in Lord of the Rings where it's just like all oh, these evil. Uh, spider infested forest oh look there's a beautiful city just just beyond this forest how does that work oh i disagree beyond, with that so beyond much. elves well no, tolkien definitely has so much writing behind why that well, why true, that city is know, actually there. but they don't go into it in the movies yeah, the yeah. Mo- oh the movies don't no oh. movies never do Fantasy books, you you'll. Uh, oh, there's yeah. There's fantasy, like an excessive fantasy, amount of history. Sometimes. Fantasy books and shows, like in Game of Thrones, you you know why certain cities do well. You know, you you know why King's Landing does well. A lot of prostitution. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, the films just don't have time to. Yeah, they don't have time. It's already three fucking hours long. <laughs> yeah, it's, you, don't we don't need a spiel about why these uh, elves do very well economically El- the elves always come across like people who have their shit together it's it's prostitution as well <laughs> mainly Legolas <laughs> but uh, yeah so um, we see we get to meet the people of uh, Iron Town we get to see how their economy works how the women work and the men are soldiers there's a lot of gender equality going on yeah it's great especially for a film from 97 yeah there's like a lot of representation for and especially japanese because sometimes japan has a weird thing with women like yeah you just need to look at anime (laughs) oh yeah that this movie is definitely like a feminist movie yeah if you look at a lot of anime women are so overly sexualized to the point where it's like fetish like fetish, fetish. yeah like they fetishize and that women doesn't, so much doesn't happen here at unless all unless you're a furry but then you're weird enough <laughs> and son and uh, lady Oboshi are very very strong well written characters yeah. with their motives yeah. uh we find out that um lady Oboshi uh showed up in the town one day and uh, helped turn its fortunes around. Although it, she, she was the one who put the iron ball in Nago, the boar that attacked Ashitaki's town. So mm-hmm. in a roundabout way, their drive to be, better themselves economically 
did fuck over Ashitaki. Yeah, it's also the town's downfall as well. That they're screwing with nature to get ahead. Yeah. But then you also kind of see it from there where it's like they needed to be financially independent and like they do it and like they it's very need to balanced. survive. Uh, Music yeah. even shows like how nature is almost overreacting yeah. and not and not really giving any leeway to the to, humans. To the humans. Yeah, it just sounds like there's no real villain because even Jiro isn't like irredeemably bad. No, there's no. It, it, yeah, it, it, there's no villain. Yeah, yeah, just varying shades of right and wrong. Yeah, it's very, like, Game of Thrones. Yeah. And even the guy who's right all the time, uh, Ashitaki, see? Hipster cunt. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, and in, in Eboshi's defense, she does accept responsibility for Nago and apologizes. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry about giving you that curse that will slowly kill you and <laughs> turn you evil and uh, make you strong rage monstery. She she has really redeemable features as well, yeah. like her work with um the lepers and stuff. Definitely, and she and that's why why she says that's why I'm tearing down the forest. I want to find a cure, a cure. for leprosy. Yeah. Uh, also here's this new gun I have that uh, helps clear <laughs> the forest. Uh, although that does scatter an ape tribe, and we learn uh, why she wants to kill the forest spirit because yeah she thinks. She might be able to cure diseases, which is a thing. That's why that's why there's a lot of uh, ex- explanation into the Amazon. They think the cure for cancer might be in there somewhere. Yeah, because Amazon is so vast and unexplored. Like definitely, like there's shit. There's, you'd cure at least something in there. Yeah, don't they find new species of insects like All the every time. time they go there? Yeah, uh, San attacks Iron Town with her wolf brothers, uh, but Ashitaki saves her from the townsfolk. Uh, he gets wounded in the process. He gets shot. Yeah. Well, he gets shot while flexing himself, while flexing his badass muscles. Just like, look at me, I'm carrying these two women. Bang! Oh, I got shot. He opens the bridge, mm. the the draw gate. I do love how it's just kind of like, you know, she, he's, he's going against the town folk, but they're still like, you sure you? You sure you sure about this, dude? He bends uh John DiMaggio's sword up like he's yeah. like he's Bender in Futurama. Like like he's fucking Hagrid in Philosopher's <laughs> Stone. Dry up Dursley, you old prune. <laughs> there we go. Sorry, I, I have I have plans for future episodes. <laughs> we gotta do it. It's twenty. We gotta do. In fairness, I've been I've been saying this for ages. I am doing Philosopher's Stone this year. You have to. You definitely want to do the Harry Potter. And you the, might as well stare at the stare. It's the anniversary this year. 20, 20 years. years. 20 years. Madness. I'm fucking old, okay? Yeah. Oh, I'm 24 and old. I remember watching that on as the... Uh, Late night movie on RTE or the Saturday oh, night movie is that what it's called? Saturday night movie weekly. It was oh, and that was on at least twice a year. Yeah, it's always on around Christmas sometimes. Yeah, that's why I always count Harry Potter as like a second tier Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. Yeah, but they always have they always have a part in the movie where it's Christmas. Yeah, I would count them as Christmas. I th- I think it's very acceptable. I know a lot of people watch them at Christmas time. But again, 
tier second tier because you know they're not they're not related to Christmas. They don't take place entirely. You know what? I Christmas. feel like it's a good movie to watch like between oh, Halloween yeah, and Christmas because it's got all creepy. Yeah. You know, witchcraft and stuff. Definitely. And then, little, little Christmas on Yeah, little, little definitely. Christmas and, I, you know, and I just remember because, like, you had the DVD and it was... We always felt like the longest film. But, uh, yeah, no, I watched that so, so many times. I can't remember if I... I can't remember seeing it in cinemas for the first time. The, oh, the first I one think I we could, would have been too young. Maybe. The first one I saw in cinema was the fifth one, I think. <sighs> No, I think the first one I saw in was was uh, Chamber of Secrets. Really? But that's the one I can remember. I feel like I would have been brought to, uh, brought to see it when I was four. Cause like, you'd have had I'd have had like an older brother and stuff. So okay, like he'd have yeah. been old, old enough, and you know, I mean, they fucking took me. My parents took me to see uh, Return of the King when I was fucking five. Yeah, I don't know Five if that's a six. suitable... So I'm like, they would definitely have taken me to see Philosopher's Stone. I want to say it's like not a suitable movie to watch at that age, but I'm, I was yeah. very into Lord of the Rings when I was like seven, eight years old. Mm. I think I was... That was like crack to me. <laughs> I was like, I think I was far too much a Harry Potter kid to be into Lord of the Rings when I was younger. So really? I think I got into it when I was a little older, so... No, Harry Potter was my side side gig. Lord of the Rings was the was the main thing for that's, me. That's the thing with our generation. It's always, were you this side or were you that <laughs> side? We had those two. It was Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. And Star it was Wars. Yu- Yu-Gi-Oh! And... Uh, you kill Blade Pokemon. Blades. Oh yeah, Pokemon. Beyblades, fuck. We looked them up on Wish recently, um, to try and buy them, but they're still kind of expensive. <laughs> I really want to get some Beyblades to play with. I feel like it would be so satisfying I for at least ten minutes. <laughs> they used to break all the time, though. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, no. So those were the two big uh, fighting points. No one ever. Everyone was into Star Wars, though. So, you know. Yeah, I think everyone there liked was, Star there Wars. Was, there was no rival for Star Wars, but then again, that was mainly just because there was no big uh, sci fi, other big sci fi franchise to fight with it, you know? No, not really. Whereas, you know, you had Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, like two massive fantasy, fantasy franchises. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so where were we again? <laughs> Uh, just when Ashitake leaves Iron Town, uh, with the bullet in him. Yeah. Uh, he gets San part of the way, but um, he eventually collapses. But San comes and saves him by taking him to the big lake where the uh forest spirit is. Yeah. Yeah, and she begs him to heal Ashitake. Uh. Where is it? Uh yeah, and he does. He Ashitaki gets healed. Yeah. He wakes up and like he knows he's a chill guy. Yeah, there's he's still there's, there's still a hole in him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it just hurts a bit less. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and from afar, on obviously we see the forest spirit at night, which is this beautifully animated, and you can say that about the entire movie. It's just beautiful animation. Yeah, but like. The look of that forest spirit is magnificent. Like, you're looking at it, it's like, someone drew that. 
That's where I reckon some of the CG comes in. You know when its neck starts to to expand? I mean, I could fully see that being CGI, but it's so... But it looks so good. Oh, stunning, yeah. Like, like at a time when CGI animation stood out in movies, Mm -hmm. this blended in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Oh, anyway, yeah, so uh, Ashitaki wakes up uh, and met with San, who, uh, and he agrees to help him uh, save the forest spirit because they all know the forest spirit is in danger because the humans want to tear the forest down for their own means mm-hmm. uh, and the forest is starting to rebel. Uh, when Okoto and his uh, pack of boars show up, and if I was a child, Akoto would scare the bejesus out of me. Yeah. This is he is an intimidating, very grossly, looks kind of gross in a way. Like yeah, he's, like disgusting. There's like goo at the corners like, of his oh, eyes. Oh, he fucking, what, he, he, he's still asleep in his eyes. Yeah, he's, he's just like dying, but going on his yeah, last like he, like he is a boar animated like how fucking Prince Charles looks as he died. <laughs> Oh. Prince no Prince Philip, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he really does though. Yeah. I know. Oh god, but um, yeah, and just the voice. Yeah, he's very intimidating. And then then he has a this yeah. big army of boars that yeah. come with him. And he's just yeah, you know, it's like I'm gonna fight the humans even if I die. I've had enough of this shit. Yeah. Yeah, what happened to poor Nago, eh? <laughs> and uh, the wolves are just being like, don't do that, bro. That's, that's a stupid idea. But then they go with them and fight as well. Yeah, but that's, that's because, you know, boars before humans. <laughs> uh, Jiro and Lady Iboshi strike up an uneasy deal as we learn that um, Jiro has an army of his own men and he wants the head of the forest spirit for the emperor. Yeah. While Lady Eboshi wants to ward off Lord Asano, who's a local warlord who keeps attacking the town. Uh, so they each have, uh, they be- each have their own means and needs. Uh, but, um, yeah, but uh, the people in Irontown don't trust Jiro's men with anything. Which is fair, because he's, he's a sleazy guy. He is... If they sold cars back in feudal <laughs> Japan, Jiro would be selling them. Yeah. And used cars at that, you they know? They would be used cars sold as new cars, where they turn back the, the miles. He he would... Uh, he would be the... He would basically be like Danny DeVito in, in, Matilda. Uh, in Matilda. Yeah. <laughs> he even kind of looks like him in the movie. He does, he's very short. I'd love, yeah, this would, it would be great if um, yeah. we had an alternative version where Danny DeVito um, voices him. Oh. But plays like Frank from It's Always Sunny. I, oh, I feel like uh, a Miyazaki movie with Danny DeVito would just be an insane combo. Uh, ooh. And because Eboshi uh, doesn't trust Jiro's men and the women of... Uh, Irontown don't trust Jiro's men. Eboshi uh, uh, takes the men from Irontown with her to battle and leaves the women in charge of looking after the, looking after and fighting against Jiro's forces if they try anything. Uh-huh. 
and the samurais who were attacking yeah, the city. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the samurais get a fucking bad rap in this movie. Yeah. They're, they're, every other thing where it's like, oh, samurai, these honourable warriors. And then in this movie, it's just like, they're hired goons. Yeah. But um, meanwhile, um, up in the mountains, uh, Ashitaki and Moro, who is uh, voiced by Gillian Anderson, mm-hmm. a.k.a. the sexy mom from Sex Education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The woman who uh, made a lot of people... Very deeply confused by her portrayal of Margaret Thatcher in The Crown last year. Yeah, after after sex education. Mainly mainly the question of, is it a sin to be uh, attracted to Margaret Thatcher if she's played by a sexy actress? She's incredible. Oh, she's amazing. But it's also just like... Such a presence. But it's just like... Am I attracted to Margaret Thatcher? This feels wrong on too many levels. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But, um... And that's when she tells him to jump off the cliff. Yeah! She is... She is serene. Stone cold. She... She does give... She gives no fucks about this guy. And I kind of love it. She's just like... Uh, you can jump now and end it all. Or I could eat your head off. <laughs> She acts like a. She acts like both the protective mother and the protective father at the same time, <laughs> like the whole, like the whole stereotype of a a guy come meet of a guy meeting his girlfriend's parents for the first time, and his da- and her dad will be somewhere brandishing like a fucking baseball bat, hitting it off his hand like. Yeah. So son, what you do for a living? <laughs> yeah. Also, just the relationship between Ashitaka and Son as well is great because you know full well if it was a Disney movie, it would be like a love interest or yeah. a weird thing. They'd, they'd want to... Uh, it's an animated film, so they don't want to bang, but, you know, there's feelings. There's feelings, yeah. Whereas here, it's just like, yo, wolf girl, you're kind of sound. Yeah. Thanks. It's like, just like a respect for each other. Yeah. And she understands that he kind of wants what's best for... Her and everyone. Yeah. He's from like a wise tribe. So like. But um, yeah. So. uh, And Morrow scoffs at his notion of there being peace between both sides in this conflict. We also learn how Morrow became San's protector. Basically her parents were like. Okay let's yeet the baby and get out of here. Uh, and Moro tells him to go, and if he returns, she'll kill him. You know, which not isn't surprising considering she did suggest him eating himself off a cliff. Yeah, she's very stone cold. Yeah, uh, and he does leave the following morning, but only after leaving the necklace that uh, K- Kaya from his village gave him before he left. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's always weird. It's always like no one. They never say if Kaya is like just a friend to Ashitaki. Yeah, there's also people who theorize there. There was like a bride to be because obviously he oh, okay. he had stature in the village. Yeah, but uh, I I kind of think it's a little sister. But um, anyway, uh. Meanwhile, San rushes into battle to aid Okoto and the boars, despite the fact that it, it's really not a winnable fight. No, they get slaughtered. Yeah, just... she's only going in there because she just does not like humans. 
Yeah, there's yeah. just uh, by at the end of the battle, there's just like piles yeah. of dead boys. Yeah, Ashitaki discovers that uh, Iron Town is under siege from Lord Asano's men, and he vows to help them by getting Lady Eboshi to come back. Uh, while riding into the battlefield, Yakul is wounded, but he refuses to stay behind because he's he is bros before arrow holes. <laughs> I'm just, I'm sorry, folks. For everyone at home, Jake is crying into his hands at his own joke. <laughs> folks. <laughs> I broke myself. <laughs> should have gotten that fucking water when I asked the chance. <laughs> oh, anyway, so... Anyway, so uh, but so Yakul stays with him, and they walk to uh, the side of the battlefield where he finds uh, the dead boars and the dead men from Iron Down, and the surviving men tell them, "Yeah, it was a shit show. The uh, the the for- Jiro's forces and Jiro's men didn't tell us their tactics, so they just dropped fucking grenades on us." And we all died in the friendly fire. Yeah, so, it's yeah, it's very much, you know, Jiro's, the Emperor's men give no fucks about the Iron Town folk. Yeah. Uh, uh, which, and this helps when uh, Ashitaki manages to convince them to uh, free a wolf who is trapped under some rubble because. He's trapped that, under. He's trapped under piles of boars oh yeah dead boars and then Ashitaka uses his demon strength to to pick up the boars yeah but he does get some help from uh, the townsfolk yeah. as well because he's still he's still kind of hurt yeah but uh, yeah and so obviously the the treatment of the Iron Town people is how he manages them to, manages to convince them that uh uh, we need to help nature to get Lady Eboshi back because your town is screwed unless is uh, unless we do something, yeah, which is again shows like the humans aren't evil in this movie. They just have their own things they need to do to survive. Yeah, yeah, they would not. They could not survive without taking from the forest in some way. Yeah, which is kind of how all civilizations are in a sense. Yeah, definitely. It's just. There needs to be a balance. Yeah, it's just like the give and take. Yeah. Uh, Okoto is badly wounded, but falls through a human trap laid by Jiro, where him and his men dress, wear, uh, wear boar skins. Over them, yeah. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> it's it's <laughs> low-hanging fruit, Jake. Do I... Comment below, folks. Do I make a boar skin for skin joke or not? <laughs> it is literally low hanging fruit. Ah, <laughs> oh, boar skins. Boar skins and uh, <laughs> and obviously, yeah, Yaku, injured and stupid, falls for it. And chases after them despite being wounded, and San telling him, "No, don't." He thinks he's a. Uh, he thinks there's some of his uh, tribe off, uh, waiting to help him, 
Uh, Atashi Ashitaki pleads with Hiboshi to uh, stand aside, but she refuses as she thinks the town, uh, she's done all she can for the town. She needs to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ashitaki... Oh, meanwhile, uh, they find Moro is badly hurt and Okoye becomes a demon and uh, ensnares San in within the evil spaghetti worm tentacles. Which is really creepy. It's so creepy. Yeah, it's, it's like starting to consume her as well. It's, it, it, which, is, which is it. beautifully thematic, but also it's even creepier than the first time because it's like, oh, shit, yeah. now there's a boar and a human in there. Yeah, she's in the boar's mouth. Yeah. And being consumed by the spaghetti demon. And her own hatred. And her own hatred. Yes. See, it's all thematic. It all means something. You know? Uh, that's that said in far more sarcastic tone. This movie is brilliant. <laughs> it really is on the nose sometimes, though. Yeah, it's on the nose, but, uh, you know... Then again, there's other movies where it's like there'll be this on the nose without any of the beautiful yeah, animation yeah, or up, yeah. the c- complex world building yeah. or any of the character development, you know? Yeah. It, it can be on the nose once it's earned the right to be on the nose. Yeah, I think it works fine yeah. in this movie. It never annoys me. Yeah. Uh, they managed to free San from the demon as the forest spirit appears and takes away the lives of Okoto and Moro, despite the fact that the humans don't understand it. But, uh, you know, it's very much, God give it, God taketh away, you know? Yeah. Or, as I like to say, shit happens, you know? <laughs> but, uh, uh, Ashitaki pleads with them not to shoot him, but uh, despite the best efforts of both Ashitaki and the demon it, not, and the spirit itself, you know, turning her gun into flowers, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds like literally like what would happen if you gave a 60s hipster like the Infinity Gauntlet. He'd just turn everything into flowers. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Woodstock, man. Yeah, oh. you can definitely see that. Yeah, but um, yeah, so despite the fact he tries to stop it from happening, Lady Eboshi just shoots the forest spirit's head off. Really yeah, it weird. Kind of like, it's kind of a weird animation. Yeah. What just, happens is just like... Just bang, and then a couple seconds later, plop. It just goes straight through the neck. Uh, it's like all liquidy water as, as the neck is like, like expanding. Yeah. And it's turning into this other sort of spirit, like it's leaving its physical sort of weird uh, deer body. It's like per- bursting a water bed. The, the design of this spirit is amazing as well. Yeah. It looks so cool. It does. Like, it, it, it's like a lot of work went into drawing that. It's like a deer with a human face, kind of, with 20 antlers. The feet look like, I don't know. It looks like a cross between a deer and a creepy tribal mask. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, and obviously, once its head comes off, everything goes to shit. This black, gooey ooze just 
shoots out of the spirit's body uh, onto the nature and to the people. Yeah. You know? It just spreads out over the land it everywhere. Ta- yeah, and it, and it just kills everything in its path. It's like sludge or like lava. Yeah. Yeah. Molasses. Yeah, molasses. Or, you know, like a mudslide. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, and then in in the confusion, uh, Moro's decapitated head pops back alive and bites off a Boshi's arm, <laughs> which is just it's, like fucking insane. It's one of the weirder things in the movie. It's yeah, full of weird stuff because I don't understand. Also, Moro has two tails for some reason. But it is, but it is uh, set up. It is. It 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 is paying something off because Boshi says just like yeah you know, e- even a even a even a wolf without a head can still bite. It's one of it's one of the first things she says when we meet her. Yeah. Um, when so first attack them so it the co- so it literally comes back to bite her. Yeah. Bite her in the hand, hand. arm. Yeah. See, I'm not laughing at that joke myself, folks. But, um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> anyway, uh. What's happening meanwhile with the, the foreskins? <laughs> Shut up. They're all. <laughs> the foreskins are running away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the the, the foreskins are circumcising themselves from the, the situation. Bo- the foreskins are pulling back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the boss skins are pulling out. <laughs> We're not editing this out, by the way. Oh, oh God. We don't edit this shit. But, um... Ten-year-olds. Oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. T- ten-year-olds wouldn't, wouldn't say boss skin. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think ten-year-olds would find that as funny as we no. do. The insinuation. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the uh, so the goo the the goo begins to uh, travel. Uh, the ooze, sorry, uh, it begins to travel over the mountain top, killing all the forest in its wake. Starts to move towards Iron Town. The women of Iron Town flee because they know they're better that they know better than to stay. The town is on fire and um, there's, there's evil black goo ooze heading their way. They're kind of fucked and they know it. Yeah, they're all getting onto boats and, and yeah. sailing off the opposite direction. Yeah. They're getting out of Dodge. Yeah. Uh, Ashitaki pisses San off greatly by trying to help Eboshi, uh, because he's just trying to be nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, I hate this woman, but I respect you, so I'll work with you to save the forest. It's a lovely little moment of just like, yo, chill, bro. Yeah. Hug it out. (laughs) You're angry at the world, but hug it out. Oh. Uh, on... But yeah, so they're able to help heal Eboshi... Uh, her guys take her back, take her back to, uh, towards Iron Town, while Ashitaki and San, uh, chase after Jiro and his men, who have the, uh, head of the spirit in this big box. 
Yeah, you just know? like a big metal container. Yes, like the ending to Seven. But, uh, anyway, um, yeah, so they're able to, uh, they're able to get the head away from Jiro after, uh, a lot of chasing and a lot of shenanigans as the goo begins to follow them and, uh... He's lost the boar skin at this point. Yes, yes, he's, he's circumcised his boar skin he's off. He's no longer wearing the boar skin. No, he has sheaved it off. Over his whole body. <laughs> yes. We can stop making the fucking joke now. <laughs> God damn it. I, don't, I can't tell if this is better or worse than going off on tangents. This is definitely worse. <laughs> well, this is more childish than... Uh... Anyway, but... Uh... Your tangent? <laughs> This is worse than the Yu-Gi-Oh tension, but uh, anyway, we I don't have nostalgia for Borskins. No, I really no. don't have the same nostalgia for Borskins. No, if we were Yu-Gi-Oh. Jewish, it'd be different, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, so they managed to get the head away from Jiro as the forest spirit, who is in Nightwalker form at this point, has uh reclaims it and puts his head back on. Meanwhile, out on the lake, the boats carrying the men of Iron Town and the women of Iron Town meet one another and they have this lovely uh reunion. Meanwhile, dawn happens, so the Nightwalker dies in an extent because, you know, he can't handle the sunlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it collapses onto Iron Town, which puts out the fire and blows away all the enemy encampments in off to the side of a mountain nearby, which then becomes a new forest in the fastest planting of trees I've ever seen in my life. It's beautiful. It is. <sighs> Sorry. It can be a bit tiring doing this. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, so while San is kind of annoyed that the forest spirit is dead for now, but not really dead, no, you know, like the forest so. is safe. Yeah. And. Everything's been restored. Yeah. The balance has been brought back. It's, he'll be out, he'll be back. Yeah. But, um, yeah, with the forest saved and the curse lifted. Because he's defeated the evil, which is uh, which is the conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashitaki vows, I'm going to stay in Iron Town and I'm going to help relations between the humans and the forest. Uh, so me and Song can still be friends. Which is a lovely ending. Yeah. Yes. Nice. And they all live happily ever after. Apart from the Borskins. We could bring it back to um, how we think Miyazaki isn't anti-Semitic. But yes. is, he, is he flexing on, on Jewish people with the Borskin? <laughs> are, we, are we flexing ourselves on the Borskin? I don't know. We've, we've, over, we've, over we've, we've run this fucking... This is the worst. We have run this joke, joke into the ground. <laughs> the joke is dead. The, the, we have done to this joke 
what <laughs> Ashitaki's arrows do to samurai on horseback in this movie. <laughs> Decapitated the fuck out of it. Okay, let's get into post-production. Um, release date. Uh, it released on the 12th of July, 1997 in Japan. In certain areas of, of America, it released on the 19th of December, 1997. But it was also a phased out release between 1997 and 1999. So it came out in 97 in certain regions of America and then 99 in other areas. Why? Distribution. Just. It's weird like that. Yeah. You know? Oh, and you think that's weird. This is by far the biggest gap I have ever seen for a movie that we've covered on this uh, podcast. Do you want to know when it came out in the UK? I want to say like 2003. 19th of October 2001. Four years after it came out in Japan and the States. Two years after it came out in other parts of America. So weird. Do you want to know what's fucking insane? Twelve. Okay, I'm going to do this on a timeline of my life. 12th of July, 1997, an unborn fetus. 19th of December, 1997, about six weeks old, little under six, just shy of six weeks. October 2001, fucking play school. Fucking post yeah. 9-11. <laughs> I was in crash. Like... That's how long this it took this movie to get out to certain parts of the world. And I don't oh, even want such to... a weird way. <laughs> but then again, before you 9/11 are... and but... after 9/11. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh like I said the but, but again, that's what happens when you fuck with Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. You you get you you save your move from being cut. Miyazaki later said about the incident it was just like I defeated him. What would have been cut? What would have been cut? Oh, a lot of the stuff in Iron Town would have been cut. Yeah, I suppose that's all just world building. Really, yeah, for the most a lot part. of world building. Um, gosh, I feel like anything with like character building for like the humans would have been cut. The conversation between Moro and Ashitaki would have definitely been cut. The one where she's like, jump off the cliff yeah. and kill yourself? Because it's like, I feel like you could do that clip in like two minutes for a scene that goes almost ten minutes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's hard to say what, get got, what, what would get cut now because we know what's in the film and we know how everything adds up to make the film great. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so, opening weekend, US, uh, okay, opening weekend in Japan, it made, in terms of American dollars, it made 792,264 US dollars. But in terms of Japanese yen, that, oh, okay. that is in the region of somewhere 87 million. Oh, okay, okay. There's a big, big jump between yen and dollars. Okay, yeah, I was thinking that didn't perform well at all. Domestic US, it made $144,446. Yeah. 
internationally made about seventeen thousand dollars eight hundred and twenty seven its overall gross in the u s was four point eight million which you know on the budget that it had over the time that it had yeah yeah uh in japan its overall gross in terms of u s equated to u s dollars was seven point six million but in japanese yen that's eleven point three billion um in Japan, it replaced E.T. as the highest grossing film of all time for a whopping couple months until Titanic came out. That's, that's funny. What, the, the Japanese went that mad into E.T.? And Titanic as well is surprising. But again, Titanic would have been a lot of places highest grossing movie yeah. ever, you know? Yeah. Like, it was the highest-grossing movie ever for 10 years. Yeah, it's crazy. Actually, 12. Uh, despite struggling financially at the box office, by 2001, it was still the highest-grossing anime movie ever, US box office-wise. Which kind of shows you, like, despite the fact that anime in the States did have a market, it was still niche. And yeah, it still, it still is. is. It, I think it still is. You don't see that many anime movies no. in cinema. You, you see some, but again, they de- they're they not huge money spinners like no. how like a DreamWorks or a Disney or a Pixar movie would be in the cinemas. Yeah. You know? They're more awards fair now. Like, they, yeah, they, they, they'd come out in cinemas in the States because, oh, we want this to be in contention for, like, the best animated feature Oscar, so mm-hmm. it will get a run in cinemas. Uh, the DVD release was delayed because fans protested the fact that Miramax were only going to release the English-language version and not the Japanese version. That sounds like some weeb shit. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, original weeb internet shit, yeah. you know? Like, the first weeb chat boards online... <laughs> On computers that had the massive backs on them. Yeah. Oh. I, I get it with, like, a lot of anime, but, like, the dub is really, really good on... on yeah, movie. but I think it's just kind of, like, kind of... They felt would have felt to be disrespectful to the original version. Yeah. You know? Because it wouldn't... You could do that shit on DVDs where it's like, oh... Do you want to watch the English version or the Japanese language version? Yeah, it's not that difficult for DVDs in nine in the late nineties to have that those features on them. Yeah, you know, they, it's not fucking Blu-ray. Like. They definitely need both on it. I think. Yeah, I watched I watched the movie both um both subbed and dubbed. Yeah, and it's great both ways. Absolutely, uh, it features on numerous much watch before you die lists. You know, like. A thousand and one movies bef- to watch before you die. It's always one of the main anime contributions yeah. to those lists, you know. Obviously, it was given massive crea- uh, critical, cri- critical uh, praise when it came out. You know, it's part, it has like, I think, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. One of the highest rated Studio Ghibli films. Although, if you look up Hayao Miyazaki on Rotten Tomatoes, it's like his number one film is like 100% in his ro- and his least well-reviewed film is like 85%. Yeah. So it's like, 
the dude doesn't fucking miss. Yeah, we were saying earlier as well, the animation is just so beautiful. Like, it what was Disney up. doing at the same time they were doing, like, Hercules? Hercules and, um, Mulan. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which just is still, makes which... the animation look so primitive on, True. on those. But, but the animation on Mulan is still great. The animation on, uh... Hercules is a bit hit and miss. It's kind of stylized, though. Yeah, but maybe that's just me thinking. It's like, I'm not really the biggest fan of them, like, Las Vegas gospel music for uh, Greek mythology. Like, yeah. what? who was smoking what when they came up with that? But, um... And, uh... This movie has also been credited as being inspiration for multiple different things uh some say Z- some of the zelda games have been inspired by uh uh princess mononoke and one person and one source that where it's like it has been confirmed that it was a uh inspiration for a certain character was um the creators of star wars the clone wars have cited that san was a uh, the inspiration for Ahsoka. Wow. Which is cool as fuck. Yeah. So, like, the best original Star Wars character since the original trilogy was inspired by Princess Mononoke. That's really cool. Yeah. 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 You know, and obviously that, that, that character was also Jar Jar Binks, but uh, no, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> he was inspired by the Borskins. <laughs> See, I found a way to make it work. It still doesn't oh. work. Okay, so uh, that's it for post-production notes. Like I said, not as much to talk about post-production-wise because, you know, this movie was very well received. It grew a following over the years as yeah, more definitely. people got into anime and Studio Ghibli mm-hmm. stuff. And it's still a classic today. So it's like, there's not a huge amount of ska. Like, most of the ska was like, oh, Miyazaki kind of threatened Harvey Weinstein with a katana sword. (laughs) Oh, you know, don't don't mess, don't fuck with it. This sword traps the souls of its victims. (laughs) Oh, the, the sword just starts trying to blacklist actresses who won't sleep with it. Oh, God. Oh, oh god no that's super dark sided I apologise folks <laughs> oh. so final thoughts on the movie before we wrap this up um, aesthetically it's just beautiful it's one of the most gorgeous animated movies I've ever seen in my life it's like visually it's so nice the score works perfectly with it it's got it, great action sequences. It it, it really does, because Miyazaki isn't known really for, like, action sequences in his movies. No. But when you watch action sequences here, like, whenever um, San and Lady Eboshi have their sword fight in Irontown, it's yeah. like, oh, it's that so is so well shot and done. It's like, I've seen worse fights like that in live-action movies from directors and people whose like job is specifically in action yeah so like it's it's marvelous the wolves are cool as fuck wolves are always really cool um the themes are super relevant 
Yeah, like it was ahead of its time so, in terms of yeah, Miyazaki was climate change. With, but, um, yeah. And not even so much climate change, just, just like... Having a respect for yeah, nature. Yeah, respect of nature, you know? Yeah. And it's, that's, that's, he's always had like a bunch of running themes. Like that's always been a running theme. Yeah. That and like aviation. Yeah, he like loves he's, a bit he, of he he loves his flying. He loves planes. Yeah, he loves his planes. <laughs> it's like Tarantino and his feet. Yeah, Tar- Tarantino. We know Tarantino and wi- other women's feet. Yeah, he doesn't get his own feet out on camera. Yeah, this is slightly more appealing than that. Because I feel like they're nasty. Oh, I don't want to. I don't even want to think about Tarantino's feet. Oh, Borskin. Fuck. I'd, I'd rather think of Borskin. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so where, where would this rank in terms of, like, your favourite Ghibli movies? This is my favourite. Same. Where would this rank in terms of your favourite anime movies? It might be my favourite. This is my second favourite. What's your favorite? Your name. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm thinking. Your name's yeah. a contender. Your name. I watched that only earlier this year, and it fucking floored me. I mean, it's a great it's a great movie, but I'd never say that's in my top five or oh, 10, yeah. actually, ten no, favorite I, movies ever. Well, also actually, I I can't I actually no, it wasn't this year. I don't think it was. It was at some point last year, but it was definitely during one of the pandemics. So, like, in the last 18 months. Yeah, it's great. I've but seen, it's I've amazing. Seen, I've seen it a good few times. Yeah. It, um, it hits... It, it shakes me to the core. On certain days, I'll say this film is in my top five favourite movies of, of all time. time. Wow. But... I would probably put it lower now. Like, I would still probably put it in my top ten. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd put it in, like, an all-time list, because there's animated films on my all-time list that I just cannot knock off. Even if I see a movie where it's, like, the animation looks better and the story is more complex and layered. Yeah. What, I'm an, like, what animations would you put above this? How would you rank it in uh, just an animated movies? Oh, because I feel it would be, it would it would be higher up if I had seen it earlier in life. Because the animated films that I would put high on my childhood. list would be like ones where it's like they're amazing movies, but also there's that childhood nostalgia soft spot for it like Lion King Lion King is number one for me Toy Story 2 is super Mm -hmm. high up there a lot of that golden age of Pixar has has that it's amazing and also it has the nostalgia for me but like if I was doing an all time favourite animated top 20 this would 100% be on there Maybe even kicking into like top ten. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like it's fighting against movies that I've watched more times, that I know better, that I have a more history and connection yeah. with. Yeah. And then it just 
flight fights up against movies that just pop out of nowhere and just like automatically plop the foreskin foreskin balls on the table and just be like i dare you not to put me on this list fucking spider-verse oh god into the spider-verse yeah well i don't know i i don't really like watching the same movie too often if i watch a movie it's probably going to be two years until i watch it again but i i've watched this movie at least once a year yeah since i was at least like 14 or 15 yeah this is one of those movies where if you watch it at 14 or 15 and you're into this kind of thing it will blow your mind yeah i think for sure but um yeah so like this is my favorite studio ghibli movie second favorite anime movie of all time you know it's it's one of the best animated films i've ever seen one of the best fantasy movies out there, just like pure yeah. fantasy. Yeah. And it's a movie where it's like, you do need to see this in your lifetime. I think everyone needs to watch this movie. Yes. This should be one of those movies where it's like, they should show it in schools, depending on the school. <laughs> it, this, this should be taught in fucking CSP, CSPE. But, yeah. like, whenever they're talking about, like, nature and stuff, you know? I think it's a good way to show uh, kids, to introduce kids to, like, these ideas of, of like, or, well, not nature even... and just working with nature and having a respect for it. Like, wait till they're in fifth or sixth class or, like, early Yeah, not second. too young, not too young. I'm not too young. The don't... De- de- decapitation don't, really do don't, do not don't, don't be showing that demon boar to junior infant kids or else you're going to have a lot of fucking <laughs> accidents to clean up. I think I would have been fine seeing that uh, when I was young. But those little, those little forest spirits that click, move their heads around, those creep me out. They creep me out to this day. Yeah, they are they are quite weird. But um Yeah, so uh that is a hearty recommendation from the both of us, it seems. Do watch this movie. I know anime can be difficult to get into, but this is one of the easiest to get into yeah, animes. I think it's so accessible. Anything Ghibli, especially when Miyazaki is directing, super easy to get into. This is one of the heavier films that he's done. Like, if you want something maybe yeah, a little is. lighter, I'd say maybe start with something like Kiki's Delivery Service or Totoro. Poco Rosso. Uh, Spirit- Any other film. This is definitely the, the yeah, heaviest this one. Is, this is the one where it's like, if you think you're hard, start with this one. If you know you're not hard, leave this for a couple films. Yeah. Yeah. I I still think this is the best film he's ever made. I know people will say Spirited Away, Spirited but Away, yeah. I've never I've never Spirited Away has never clicked with me the same way. No, I don't think so either. I think like, it's just because the um the plot as well. Yeah. It, this has more of a plot. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never been the biggest uh, Spirited Away guy, which I know I know in certain circles will get me shot. I love Spirited Away. It's a great film as yeah. well. Uh, but yeah, so uh, thank you for coming on the podcast, Siege. I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, experience. Yeah, thank you for having me. No worries. It's, I'll, it's I'll, lo- I'll love, I'd love to have you back at some point. Uh, in, the, in the future.
future. In the future, yes. Be back yes. with something. Yes, bring your boar skin with you. Uh, it just had to end on a boar skin yes. joke. <laughs> yes. I knew have... it was coming. Yes, okay. Uh, thank you very much for watching. Thank you for putting up with uh, <laughs> this uh, conversation, which stayed very much on anime most of the time. Except when it went when it went off the rails. Uh, even when it wasn't the anime that we that we're talking we about, still talked, it was still anime. We still talked about anime and fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, skins. no one talked about um, uh, cartoon nipples. So uh, <laughs> that that's won over on certain other people. How did it, how did it been another anime movie though? It very much could have veered into that. Uh, Weird into that topic. Well, like, no, you don't want to talk about that shit when it's an anime movie because that's what they want you to talk about. <laughs> Disney don't want you talking about nipples, so that's why. <laughs> very true. Oh, anyway, so uh, thank you all very much for watching. Uh, hopefully next week we can get an episode out. Uh, depends on my work schedule and depends on, you know what everyone else is doing and depends on when I figure out what episode what movie to do it on but um Vlad thank you for watching uh if you like it please do subscribe on Anchor or Spotify or wherever you get this podcast uh it would very much help out the channel drop a like drop a uh, comment if you can comment tell me what you think's going well in this podcast what's not going well we're 19 episodes strong now. So uh, thank you very much for all your support. It means the world. Thank you. And uh, on one final note, Borskins.